The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Talk Radio, and it's uh, Monday afternoon, and and Rob Lee is with us today, as he's going to be on a always on a regular basis going forward. And you know, Rob, one of the things I love about Positive Talk Radio is last hour we talked about eating bugs. This hour we're going to talk about educating children. Yes, uh, what a difference. <laughs> But it's but it's all the same. It's all designed to help uh, mankind and and all of us live a little bit better. So absolutely, in the absolutely. broadest sense possible, <laughs> I can fit almost anything into Positive Talk Radio. And our guest today is Betty Parker Blackman, and she is an educator, and she's working with kids and with people on online learning, which is the newest thing that we a newest challenge with COVID around that we are going to get to face over the next uh for who knows how long uh, but with that betty how are you welcome to the show doing good i like your introduction of positivity that's that's what we do try and do around here even when we're eating bugs um, <laughs> well we'll do a little bit differently than eating bugs but i do <laughs> want to let you know that i work with older young people uh, who are in college. And uh, with the pandemic, it has really affected uh, any number of them. That's what got me started. Because it was, um, I read some stats that said that uh, it was like 25% and 30 some percent of students of color who draw had to drop because they weren't connected on online training. And you know, we made everybody go to online. We made them go to online without enough supports, I feel. It's, it's amazing to me that we can make everybody go online, but we, but not everybody has got an internet connection. And not everybody has got a computer that is uh, um, going to work or the expertise to understand how to negotiate around the software in order to make it work. Uh, is, is that been your experience? I think that plus the fact that there are a number of professors who didn't know how to establish um, an online course is not just talking on Zoom and thinking that's it. There are many platforms by which you can uh, lead students to be able to successfully complete it. 
So we are missing that, that a lot of universities, uh, the professors weren't prepared. And so, and then I hate to tell you, there are some professors who, for whatever reason, did not assist students as well as they could. Wouldn't answer them back, their questions, things like that. So well, it was a conundrum. Very much so. And, and I got my master's degree at 50 online. And I started from GED and went all the way through. And really? I went to the University of Central Florida. Yes, ma'am. So one of those things that I do know, and in dealing with counseling and therapy that I've done in the past with children, um, you know, late teens, like you said, going into that college thing, there was not enough instruction done with teachers about how to engage in an online situation. And a lot of them were, the kids were very, very vocal with me about, I'll turn it on, it's in my bedroom, and I'll go back to bed, and I'm marked as present, you know, all that kind of stuff. And really, people don't understand, going to school online, to me, was harder than going in person. So if you, don't, if you don't develop around those talents, UCF has a very good thing for it. But if you just try to throw it together real quick, man, your course is just going to be horrible. I called it crisis, emergency crisis learning. It, yes. It, it really was, let me put something up there. It didn't have a lot of the nuances that you need to understand it's not something was wrong with the students. It was like, we need help. And they, the professors didn't provide that kind of help that they needed. Mm -mm. And I noticed that. And, um, but I made, I tell you, I thought, oh, somebody's got that. They're going to do that. And they didn't. It was like, okay. Uh, so many professors were not given resources, were not trained in the platforms that were available because there are mechanisms that I found in my experience. Students, we, we, we did the uh, synchronous training where we had a set time when we came together and they would sometimes forget that we were online because we engaged them and uh, really created activity so they could interact with each other. And now, as far as like the professors being uh, able to, you know, is it is it a lot of it because of the time investment that they had to make, would have to make to relearn how to uh, operate the system and to get online and to develop the curriculum and all of that. And some of them were like, I don't really feel like I want to go through all that. Would that be some of it? I think you listed almost all of it. <laughs> <laughs> because it is something that you don't just walk in and do. Mm -mm. And uh, uh, some schools offered classes to help them set it up. And there are course developers. That's their whole job is to develop a course. Um, and that was not included. It was like, okay, we're going to still do school, 
but we're not going to put the energy in. And some schools just didn't put the energy in. And I thought that was sad. And it gave, gave students a bad impression about online training. And I see online courses as making it accessible for the non-traditional student. It also, for people who have to work, I just felt like um, when I first was introduced to it, and I'm not going to say how long ago, but it, uh, it, I was, I loved it. And, and sometimes I would go to the courses to learn how to do it. And I would be the only one in the class, but I loved the text. They didn't shut it down. They said, Oh, we'll work with you. And I found that engaging and helpful. But uh, learning how to do it, it's not, I don't think it's difficult, but it is time consuming. And I find that a lot of universities say it's on you as if it's a regular course, but it takes a lot of time. And a lot of times uh, the administrations, they don't work with you. It's like, we're going to have this class. We're going to do it. Uh, because I was locked out of a class one time last semester and I didn't think I should join the course as late as what they said. No, we want you to join late. And it wasn't a good experience for me. I don't think it was for them, but it was like, we're not going to shut this down uh, kind of attitude, you know? So, so Reverend Rob, since you are a um, um, experienced with this, it seems, it seems to me, and, and Betty, I'd like your opinion too, it seems to me like the blueprint was already out there because you were, your, your entire school and from, from GED to master's degree was all online, right? Yes, it was. Every, well, no, when I, my AS degree and, and uh, we're talking about 12 years ago when I started uh, Professor Blackman, uh, one of the things that uh, it was is it, it got better. But teachers with UCF, you had to qualify and take certain courses to be able to teach those classes because it is not the same. And it just it would be like, all right, Kevin, you know, we're going to go throw a a camera up in front in front of a teacher that's never been on camera before and say, just do what you do in class. And a lot of that was the mindset by people that had no clue and i know in florida when we started doing that with the kids they didn't even have the bandwidth for it so mm. kids computers are crashing everything else and and like professor black said there were people that's just like so now i'm at home alone no adult supervision and when their computer crashed they didn't have anybody to help them at all so there you know there, there, there's so many problems with this that yeah it it ah just like you know you're gonna pick up and watch somebody on youtube all right and there's gonna be a bunch of like nope 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 not because you don't want to hear what they say you just can't you're not understanding what they're doing they're not presenting their their stuff in the right manner it's same way with teaching online anything online requires special uh materials wait knowing how to put something up, things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, and, and I'm like with you, professor, I mean, thank God for it. Cause I was a full-time parent, 
doing this when I did it and being able to go in the evenings, go in, you know, go in the mornings, do extra on my day off, those type of things. But uh, yeah, it's more than just a computer connection or whatnot. It's just like teaching. It's an art form. And this is a different brand of teaching that requires a different set of skills. And I think it's remembering that it does require different skills. It does. How, how am I going to engage someone sitting maybe not at the same time I am at a computer listening to a lecture, a lecture that may sound boring, <laughs> you know, and sometimes not thinking that the latest thing, you can make your PowerPoint talk so there's a deeper understanding of what you're saying other than those lines up there. And I think that we we started it because uh, uh, over 15, 20 years ago. And what happened is we gradually said there are some exemplary ways of teaching except we didn't include all the people who would be teaching and a lot of places do not require that you be certified they don't accredit your course saying it contains certain basic things that needs to be in an online course that they just signed people they threw during the pandemic they just threw people into it mm -hmm. without engaging and saying you're going to have to learn this it's an emergency and i find that people the language even that you can't say to people i'm going to post it's a it's a form of online is where you just put the material up and it's on them to engage that's was originally set up for people who are independent motivated and committed so why do you put somebody who's never ever been up like that and say go for it and that's why i saw so many young people get frustrated and drop out losing all of that college tuition you know i i just think that a lot of administration did not think it through they didn't really look from the student side. And that's how I started to say, uh, I received a notice about writing an article in this monograph about online. So I sent them an idea saying, let's send something about how do you work with the student beyond what we normally do. I received something back saying, if you write it, we'll accept something if it's coming from a teacher perspective we're not wanting to publish anything coming from a student view and i thought wow so i got off and i went online started reviewing and trying to find material that talked to the student that gave those small hints about what they needed to do and I couldn't find anything, could not find. So I decided, hmm, I'm in the pandemic. And so I need to, to do some uh, things about that because I think it's really, I don't know if you agree, but I think it's a social justice issue. It, we should open online up 
in such a <coughs> that more people could be successful at doing it. It should not be a small group of people uh, to do that. And it's up to administrations to require certifications, require uh, uh, certificates so that people who are teaching and engaging in online know what they're doing. And, that, it, and oh, go ahead. I'm not putting, you know, uh, my colleagues down, but I think that they need assistance. And, and the other thing is make it where you enjoy teaching. But if it becomes drudgery, people are not going to answer their students back. They're not going to give them the kind of feedback that they need to grow. And said, so hence you wrote the book, Online Student Success, the Guide to Effective Skills for Online Student Success. Yes. Uh, which I'm glad that you wrote that book. Now, I've got a question for you, um, um, Professor, and that is, it seems to me that, and, and Rob, your, your input too, it seems to me that if we went to an online ability to get a full education, that it would, college is so expensive now. Um, the, the, the room and board alone, the, you know, all of the things that go with it, it wouldn't it be cheaper and be more f feasible for us to get together and to do it online? Rob, you go first. Did, did, did you, did you feel like you got a full education by doing it online? Oh yeah. But like I said, again, UCF was cutting edge with it, but there were teachers that would it, very frustrating what I was upset with about administration was not following through with each of their teachers. Uh, some of the professors would literally say, here's your book, okay? Here's your quiz. And then you put in a question, but they're not answering you until two days after the quiz was over. And you need that to start on the next chapter. It, it, I mean, some of them were literally, it was like, yeah, just read it, take the quiz, you pass enough quizzes, you go. Other people were very discussion oriented or whatnot, and, and that was appreciative. But I saw one of the things, what I believe Professor Black was talking about here, is when we talk about taking online courses, there's no unified system about one college can do it one way, another college can do it another way. They're just supposed to be accredited and say that they've covered X amount of content. We want to make this work like you're talking about, Kevin. It's got to be, and make it open to everybody. It's got to be done on a phone or a tablet that most people have nowadays. Online courses aren't designed for that. They're designed to be on a computer, on a laptop. And to Ms. Blackman's uh, point, to Professor Blackman's point, almost everybody's got a cell phone. But not everybody has a laptop that can handle the speed or the connection to the internet that they're talking about. So a lot of my classes, I couldn't just hit a hotspot on my phone and run my classes because it wasn't enough bandwidth at the time. So we need to really be looking at, uh, you know, how to bring that in so people can access it more readily from their portable devices. And as it is now apparent to everybody, we have lost uh, Professor Blackman. Yeah, and we will hope to 
yeah hopefully hopefully we'll get her back here in a second up oh, yep and the end here here she is surprise how are you hello again yes and if so dr or, or professor blackman what's your what's your opinion on that well what i heard is is that we have to make it uniform in every uni university see what happens within the university because of the system of uh, you have academic freedom it does not mean you don't have to have a competence level at what you do and you have to have standards uh, at a number of universities people can teach without certifying their courses so then the courses become where someone doesn't put he they just figure all i need to do is post the syllabus i may put up powerpoints or not i don't have to lecture i just say here are the readings and uh, you're going to have a quiz. You're going to have these activities. You're going to do the discussion boards by. And what I tried to do in the book is provide samples, templates for here's how you respond academically to a discussion board, which is different than what you may want to do with your friends. Here's some ideas of what, how do you write a paper? Because we assume that every school people have gone to, they learned how to do a term paper. And that's not true. And so it's really providing and not feeling like you're doing them a favor. It's really saying, what do I need to do to make this student successful so that those people who are unable to go on campus, unable to do that drive, can do it after work, can do it on their own time. And I think we're just, we're leaving out and not thinking about uh, accessibility. You know, that we have to do that. We really have to make it. And, and it's online courses are more difficult because why? You don't have the same level of communicating with the professor. A lot of times in when you're in the classroom after the class, you'll walk up to the professor and ask questions. You'll get clarification on things individually because everybody don't want to raise their hand in class and ask questions that just doesn't happen. So how do we accommodate them? At least in classes, you'll do a review before I test. Uh, you you have to say to them um here's some information this is what the quiz is gonna the test is gonna be covered and you know when i first started they didn't let the students know we could see you in your home <laughs> we could see you when you're taking the test so you know people and you could see them you could talk to them and you're saying, you know, you're looking down too long. And and I think just just privacy issues, a lot need to go on um, to assist students. Do you think that that in in 
one of the, my concerns is, and you just, you just said it, if, if people get to the college level and do not know how to write a term paper, haven't we failed them in the educational system that we are trying to put together? And we we're talking about failing cis educational systems, but you have to think about that equity is not there around the country. And there are certain rural schools. Those young people have not had the same information uh, and ways to do things. And I found that a lot, that there was an assumption that students knew how to write when they came to school. And I offered uh, oh, courses so that people can catch up. I didn't frame it that way because I think that's not helpful. But I had where anybody, I started out saying anybody who wanted help with writing and and having uh, some volunteer professors came in to so that we could give them a head start. We can give them hints about here's where you need to do and how you need to cite, do your citations, you know. Maybe you went to a school that used Chicago rather than another uh, citation method, you know, like APA or something like that. But I think we have to recognize all states, like uh, Missouri is one of the lowest states uh, in how much money they contribute to uh, education. And so how do, you, how do you help? And education is, to me, the way you enlighten, inform, and then you raise the bar so that people can be successful in life. And I don't think we realize the, that it is a contributing factor to a lot of what we do. You know, I, I agree with you 100%. Rob, what's your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it is. There's a lot of assumption going on that by getting that that high school diploma or whatnot, I know each semester we would start the semester with trying to make sure because being online, we had people coming in from out of state and they started with the assumption that, well, most people are from Florida. So the Florida has this type of education and then they had to figure out real quickly. Oh, no, you know, these people are coming from all over and didn't know the difference between an APA citation and what was the other one in MLA. Is that what I'm, I'm, yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Um, and they're all different. Um, and there, there wasn't even a, you know, an agreed on method. It was up to each teacher of which citation preference they wanted. So before you could even begin to write your paper, you had to become an expert in two or three different citations methods, okay? And, and then we would spend gobs of time teaching about plagiarism because other kids have gotten by with, I'll reword this whole book, write it in, and they think they honestly don't understand what they've done wrong. So... Yeah, there's way too much there. What UCF finally did, and I thought it was great, was we had writing labs. There were people yeah. you could actually click on and go to and say, I'm having problems. I need to understand this format. And other students that had passed the test on it or whatnot 
would be there to get to lend a helping hand. But, it's always a but, that was outside of the hours you were already doing homework or, or in class. So, working parents, things like that, that were scratching for every last minute, I saw a lot of them that didn't even realize that resource existed because they didn't have a time to go look at resources because they were just running in, getting kids to bed, doing this or whatnot before they fell asleep. I know in my book, I tell to them about doing a scavenger hunt for these resources, finding out that there is a writing lab, finding out how to you, if you get a writing tutor, and you don't fit, how do you make that change? You know, it's uh, those kinds of things. Where can I go if I need special uh, help? And can I sign up for uh, an interpreter? Because I would have interpreters uh, you do for hearing, you know, and uh, because they don't forget that they are blind and uh uh, blind and deaf, you know, people who were hearing impaired to come and take these courses. So it's it's a lot just if you come from an area where you didn't get the same training, then you're impaired in some way. People have tried to make this less complicated, and it is complicated. We can say, yes, we're online, but it's very complicated and I think we don't take enough time or we're not spending enough time to engage and reduce the barriers that come with online. I was reading statistics uh, not too long ago and uh, because I was having a, a debate with somebody about the illiteracy, illiteracy, illiteracy rate in this country. Yeah. And there are 36 million people who do not know how to read in the United States of America. Now that, that I didn't know. That, that to me, because reading is the foundation of everything. If you can't read, you can't use a smartphone. If you can't re read, you can't, you know, you, you can't do hardly any. I used to have people when I was driving my bus that they would, I they would say, um, where does the 150, the Route 150 stop? And I'd say, well, here's a schedule. Just look on that. Yeah. And I'd say, can you tell me where it does? Because, and, and, they, and, and they would not say, because I can't read it. They would say, well, why don't you just tell me where it stops? Because, but they couldn't read the schedule. They couldn't make it. If you can't read a bus schedule, how do you survive in life and thrive? It just seems to me like we are letting down our kids that become adults and and it becomes a, a generational cycle how do we fix that and i know that this is much bigger than the discussion we're having about online learning but i think online learning plays a part to that i think so and i think when we ask the question we have to in this country value education value reading and that there are ways, I worked with uh, some public housing residents uh, over a decade ago. And one of the things I was working in this program, I changed it because very few people were coming to the learning how to read. So what I did was I 
had them decide that they would hire that tutor. And I said, if that tutor did not help you uh, learn how to read or do with the math, run a checkbook, then you can fire them because you're their boss. And our classes filled up because of that. Because people felt like that tutor was invested in them and that they didn't feel bad if they didn't get a concept or if they couldn't read as fast. They felt better about themselves. And I think we have made education more competitive than we ought to. People can learn. And I believe people can learn. Everybody's got a different style of learning. And we cannot value one over the other. And so education is hard. Uh, if you say, here's online. Imagine how many people, if you could do online at a level that, or whether it's your GED, those ways of teaching people, exploring, researching, how better can we do our jobs? And I don't think we explore that all the time. We, I'm sorry, I, I get, sometimes I feel like we, we demean people whose uh, academic records are not the same as somebody else's. I agree that wholeheartedly. Thus, the whole you know GPA, the honor system, valedictorians. All there's a title attached to the higher you go, and therefore, if you don't reach a certain level, we are we're taking the life out of students in wanting to achieve. I'll never get to the point. And so a lot of that turns into why try. And, yeah. and, 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 and that is not an unreasonable thought. We do it as adults. If our boss gives us a task that I don't feel I can ever reach, I'll never be a fully successful employee because I can only do what I think I can do. And I don't think we give that excitement and motivation for people to see that here's what you're doing and here are some other ways to get to where you need to be and those paths are not the same. Everybody does not learn the same and there are ways that you can succeed. Yes. I don't, I don't find that, I think we've lost that education that pedagogy that says it is my job to figure out how to make you learn and i may have to push you a bit because i do tell i do push i i tell them if, if something is hard i don't want you to stop i want you to make me figure out another way that you can learn but the sad thing is a lot of students come to us and they're so used to not asking. They're not used to coming and I, I, the word that came to my mind was demanding, show me how to do this. Show me and let me know that there's nothing wrong with me because I'm asking you. And that's part I put in the book, say don't worry about student, your professor thinking that you're not smart. 
you need to say, I'm here, I'm worth it, I can do it. And I just think that is not pushed enough. And that's at the lower levels as well as higher ed. You know, I think we can do better. Rob, you're nodding your head vigorously. Go ahead. Absolutely, because I think we put so much pressure on kids, on different things. I know in Florida it's been an ongoing debate for quite some time, and now since my kids have been out of the school system, I haven't really paid attention like I should. Um, one of the arguments were, you know, teachers are underpaid or whatnot, and what they're paid by or the way they get their bonuses is by the way their students test out on the functional literacy test or whatever they're calling it now. And I know for the longest time, Spanish was being called by a grade, okay? Because if you brought in flan or something, nobody was learning Spanish. They would teach them Spanish ideals and culture. But if you brought in extra credit stuff, flan, uh, tacos, something like that for the class, you would get by and walk out and not know a lick of Spanish. But the Spanish wasn't on the functional literacy test. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Does that make sense, uh, Professor Blackman? Yes, it does. Because we're not comprehensive. We, you know, okay. I just feel like the on most jobs, you are evaluated and assessed by what you're doing, not just you doing the activity, but there has to be outcomes. What's the result? And I'm not sure we are looking at results. Mm -mm. It's like, and when you teach to the test, what's gonna happen when they leave that room, when they leave that level, we will have lost. And I think what happens we make people feel lesser so they don't want to pass or they don't want to do the job. And I think that lack of motivation carries over and we're always complaining about the workforce, but the workforce is a result of how we train them and training people not point. care about, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said, good point. You know, so it's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, schools, uh, higher ed schools are trying to turn into vocational and they're trying to gear the curriculum, not as a general, but they're trying to take the curriculum to, we're going to train you how to work in the workforce. And I'm sorry, I don't think they're prepared to do that because a lot of them have not been in that workforce where the widgets, people count how many widgets <laughs> you're able to produce, you know? And that takes a mindset, it takes critical thinking, it takes problem solving. And I don't know where that went. That used to be a part. And if you can critically think about something and problem solve, and I think you can be taught to do that, you are able to do a variety of things and you don't have to train people to do only widgets. They can do something else. 
And I think we don't see education that way. Guys, we have college graduates that can't even write a cursive sentence. Yes. You know, that it, it, it's sad. I, I, I see I struck a nerve. You know, but you can't. And I watch. I've got a son that's got a master's degree. He is, uh, you know, an archaeologist doing great or whatnot. But all of my kids' handwriting is for crap, all right? Because now everything's typed, everything's done. They don't have to learn to write. There's something that's lost in learning anything. To me, and this is personal opinion, okay? When you lose, start losing basic skills, when they're not even learned anymore. Just like owning a business and your cash register fails, do you <laughs> shut the door because you can't do the math? Have you seen, have you ever been to a store where that happens, Rob? Yes. <laughs> I've been there not, too, guys. <laughs> people cannot, for the life of them, count change back. Yes. No. It is amazing. I had a guy, I gave him a $20 bill. The bill was $16.22. And and the way I learned it was, well, that's three pennies, three quarters, and three dollars. And uh, that, and but the people don't know how to even do that. And the, here's another pet peeve of mine. I just thought I'd throw this out, Professor. Is why don't we? And Rob, you too. Why don't we teach our kids in high school how to balance a checkbook, how to sign a lease for an apartment, how to sign for a credit card? What does it mean, revolving credit? So that so that they don't get into these horrible situations where they think it's free money and then they end up being in debt for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and, and really life skills. I remember learning in junior high, there were life skills and they incorporated that into your classes. So I later took algebra, trig and all of that, but I still had to learn life skills. And uh, how do you maneuver? And because now we have to teach them how not to to borrow some money because you know how they hand out sometimes in college they you everybody gets a credit card. But not teaching them to look at interest rates, not teaching them to look at how do you maintain a credit rating. You know, it's just a lot of things like that and they need that because part of the work I was doing with the residents in public housing is teaching them how to do a checkbook, how to write a check. And you know what? I have to say this, guys. My dad, I remember him taking us, I guess, but I remember him taking me to the bank and learning how to do fill out deposit slips and how to do uh, my own little credit, uh, my own little account, you know, just things like that as a kid, you know. But that is different. And I think it's, I was telling somebody about language and I was saying, why don't you, I was suggesting that they use whole words and this teach this person a number of words because it's someone uh, whose uh, English is a second language. I said, 
Well, they need more words. And I don't think we do more words anymore. Or uh, you know how it used to be you were challenged in spelling? I, I may be telling my age then, but <laughs> I learned how right to. Right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, Me too. Did, I did spelling. We had spelling contests and uh, just learning. And I never made felt like they were mistreating me or that's horrible. It was like you learned how to spell, you learned how to write and that you kept doing it. And uh, I know in some schools, you know, they don't teach cursing. No, not anymore. Uh-uh. No. Not anymore. Don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And I just found out recently that they're not doing keyboarding. Nope. Yeah. Like, you know, you learn how to use the keyboard, like typing. I, I took typing in ninth grade and they don't teach the typing. They don't, they don't even know what a typewriter is anymore, but uh, they don't teach. They don't teach that those basic skills like that. And someone was saying to me about the thumbs. I told this young lady, I said, I don't do the thumbs. You know, she says, well, you just come from a time when they didn't do the thumbs. I said, no, I came from a time where you learned how to type. And so, and so it's, it's, they don't understand that's all part of literacy. I really believe it is. If you can't spell, you can't write. That's not, to me, a literate person. Go I hear you. Well, and, and, and if you if you cannot read well enough mm. to enjoy a good novel, and the, because you're concentrating so hard on saying the words or or figuring them out that it doesn't flow, then then you'll never enjoy reading. And if and reading is a cornerstone of virtually everything that we do. I know. Uh, <sighs> If you can't read, you can't you can't be a productive member of society. What happens when your uh, the voting um, uh, oh. pamphlet comes, and and you know what I mean? So we, yes. Reverend Rob, help me yes. because I think we've got problems in this country. What do you think? <laughs> you know, we do have problems in the country, but you know, at least people like Professor Blackman we're addressing them. We're looking up things like that. But some of this, it's going to be hard to turn around because our kids have gotten so used to things. And again, we're teaching to numbers instead of to a topic or to learn or to life. Like you said, I remember math for daily living. They gave you a checkbook. You had work problems. You had to turn that checkbook in. And that's how you got graded, how to read a bank statement. You know, not just the top number and this number, but so you can figure out what things are going on. All kinds of interest rate, figuring an interest rate, you know, those type of things. But when my son went to school, my oldest boy, he comes to me and says, I need a calculator. So now we're talking in the 80s, 90s. Yeah. That I need a calculator for class because he was a, a math whiz, he was a whiz, all right, that is $120. And I'm like, wait, this high school, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, I don't have 120 bucks. Where am I supposed to get 120 bucks? And he said, you have to do this. And I said, learn to work the problem. 
And I actually went in and talked to his teacher. He said, you don't understand. We're working math to the point where the problems are four and five pages of figuring them out. He would not be able to get through the class in one problem. But he can't write cursive. <laughs> so we've got we got a bunch of brainiacs going around, you know? But and and and, and again, so we're tying to teach to, oh well, if I teach to this level, we're successful. If I teach kids to do this, but we've forgotten. I think Professor Blackman is dead on in with a lot of teachers, not all, it's become a job. And they've forgotten the joy of beating a challenge. And sometimes those challenges are, how do I get this child to learn? And, yeah. and, and we've got to step backwards and, and realize they're not numbers. It's not, I get 80% of this class. You know, we look, if I get 80% to pass this test, I get my raise. All right. What about the 20% that didn't? Right. It doesn't yeah. matter. I get rewarded for letting 20% of my students fail. That, 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 there's in, in there somewhere is your core value that's gone askew. Well, you know? you know, and I can tell you this, um, Professor and, and Reverend, we could, we could spend all day talking about this because one of the things that personally offends me is that we're paying a guy $36 million a year because he can throw a football. And uh, we've got teachers that are making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and they're having to buy stuff from their own pocket for their own classrooms because they can't get the materials that they need to give a quality education. We have got our priorities so screwed up in this country; it's just it's crazy. I think it's sad. I think also what we've done is that we haven't figured out a way to evaluate how much my child is learning and get mad. See, I talk to, say, parents ought to, my latest thing is with the people who are saying, you can't read this book, don't read, we'll ban this book. And my thing is, what about the parents who don't care about that? And they want their child to have a broader and more diverse learning. I said, I told this one girl, why aren't you up there talking to the teachers? Why don't go to the school board? I said, we have to push back. I really think we have to say enough's enough. How can I make people understand I don't want a certain thing. I want my child to be broader, more diverse and, uh, and say that because I just think it's just like for me in online learning. I know when I first started, people were saying, oh, it doesn't work. I started doing research to look at what does work. We know what works. And so we should say, and then I think we should also go to school board meeting, talk about we wanna pay our teachers more talk about ways that you evaluate them so you're pleased and i think you know this is paying teachers low also have to do with how teaching was viewed as a profession for women and then we assume that the women didn't need as much money as uh 
to engage as maybe, I don't know, some other worker, a plumber or something. And that that has how our values run. So we're not we're going to pay you based on maybe who you are rather than the fact that you are doing something that is valuable for the country. That's valuable. You know, there are some countries where kids learn to read from first grade, you know. And I don't think we have that same value and connection to our workforce. I don't think we understand that it's not a simple thing if your child can't balance a checkbook or don't understand how interest rates are calculated. Rob? You know, and, and you said something a while back, uh, Professor, that I want to want to comment on. The schools do not see students as a customer. Mm -hmm. uh, they do not. They the, the student doesn't get customer service. The student doesn't get. Think about the statement that the professor said where she said, we don't want to hear anything from the student body. We only want it from the teachers. What business would function if they never wanted feedback from their end user? Because the end user will tell you what you need to do to make your product serviceable. That's right. They, they yeah. don't care. They don't, it's here. You want into school and it's up to you. And, and let me tell you something that I'll, I'll, I'm going to shut up right now. <laughs> that'll take me off on a whole different day. But you're right. It's kind of like I look at student evaluations. They had student evaluations for so many years that didn't fit those of us who were teaching online. And even the new ones that they have don't really, they don't ask questions like, did the professor include expectations and uh, rubrics and guidelines for the completion of your assignments or for the completion? That's not on our assessment, okay? They're asking you about tech things. I hate to tell you tech things. And we don't have to do tech. We have tech people. So, I mean, I say, why are you asking this? You ought to ask, did I post the syllabus? Did I do that? And see Were you I, reachable? Oh, yeah. That's another one. And, you know, think about those situations where, to me, I talked to these two young people women. That's what really convinced me to write the book. When they told me they dropped out because their professors did not answer them. And I thought, didn't answer you at all? Or did, you didn't like the answer? Because that happens to guys. But they said they actually didn't answer them. Okay. And I'm saying, not at all. Not at all. And we had some things coming up and I didn't want to get an F. And so, you know, you're like, couldn't, they didn't know they could complain. And I don't think we tell them, you should say, I'm not getting, my professor just does Zoom with me and I just listen to it and I'm gone. That's all. And uh, as I was developing this course, 
Now, I have to tell you, I was chastised by the dean because they didn't have these documentaries that could explain the points that I want. And the librarian said, oh, you could uh, have them go to the public library. And I said, really? And so I did that, told them how they had to get in. And I said, if you can't get a library card at the public library, let me know and I'll figure out some way. But they were upset. And I'm trying to get people are not always reading. You ought to get doctor films. You ought to get other ways that they can learn. But anyway, I'm hey, I didn't have that uh, expertise. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, we could we could sit here and we could talk about this for days because there's lots and lots and lots. And, you know, but I really love what Reverend Rob said about we don't treat the kids as customers. Because if you were, if, if you emailed a sales rep, as an example, as a customer, if you had a problem and you needed somebody to get back to you and that sales rep did not answer you, there would be repercussions on the sales rep because the customer wasn't taken care of. Uh, we don't take That's care right. of the kids the way the, the, the way that we should to make sure that not only to make sure that that the ones that are, want to be there are getting an education, but the ones that don't want to be there, how can we reach them so we That's can right. figure out how to get them enthusiastic about and it may be teaching them something differently. But if you can't read, if you can't write in this country, you cannot survive. And then they go into the drug culture and then they make money doing doing things that they should not be doing because they don't feel like they have any other choice. Then they end up in prison. It's a whole cycle. It, 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 and it all starts with education. And I think enjoying education and yes. redefining education. Education is not always reading chapter one and chapter two. And it's and learning how I engage with another colleague sitting next to me. That's a form of education, learning how to do that. I think it's just multiple ways. And uh, I know we're talking about a lot broader things, but I do want to push that. Uh, I do want people to know that there is help, that they can read my book, you know, Guide to Essential Online Student Success. And uh, it's at uh, Amazon. And, and you can succeed if we could get that body of people who feel like they don't have time to engage in getting more information about a discipline about i tell people stop wanting to survive but thrive figure yes. out what, what thriving is for you you've got to figure out how to thrive some years ago i decided i don't want you know people would say I'm surviving. I told people, I don't want to say that. So I started saying, I'm thriving. And uh, and and learning what that meant for me, because everybody's thriving is not the same. But but knowing what that looks like, how how is that in your life? And I think thriving is one of the most important things that we owe to ourselves, is how do I thrive? How do I thrive in my 
And Reverend Rob has a saying for that. Okay. You know, it, it bangerang. What you put out, you get back. And a lot of our kids and a lot of these people, our young people and things like that, they don't even know what they don't know about their own selves. Yes. They've been taught through years of programming that getting a grade, doing a certain job, making a certain amount of money is success. Mm-hmm. But it's not thriving. And until you thrive, yes. you don't even know what it is. You know? Right. And, and, you know, so. I think we have to really push people to thrive. And I ask them, I still, you know, I really think that we've lost, you know, we've been fearful of saying to people, you need to thrive rather than survive. And we really, there are things that we've gathered ourselves through our life experiences that we don't share as much as we used to. And that's why I think what you're doing is great with positive, you know, positive talk, positive radio, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can. And one of the things that we're doing is bringing people like you so that you can talk to us about what you're doing because you're working to make a difference. And uh, that's that's all anybody can do is to do the best they can. We've been talking with Betty Parker Blackman. Go to her website, which, oddly enough, is www.bettyparkerblackman.com. And you can get the book there. You can get which is the guide to effective skills for online student success. You can get it there. You can get it at Amazon. It's just about everywhere. And we appreciate you coming on the show today, young lady. Well, thank you for asking. You betcha. And Rob, before we go, you have got some of your tribe have wandered in, and I thought you'd like to say hello to them. Hey guys, how are you? My barefoot bangerang tribe. Miss Blackman, these people, we yell bangerang to remind ourselves what we put out is what we get back. And one of the things we do is we tell people all the time, the barefoot bangerang tribe, once you remember that and you live in a place of gratitude, you can then reclaim your magic and find your wings and fly. You can change your life. You can change who you are. You can change anything you want to about you. Bangerang, and they're all here. Well, not all of them, but a few of them, and I'm glad you are here, ladies. Thank you so much. Bangerang. And Deborah has a this is such an important conversation. Parents and grandparents need to have for our children. This is and we really I agree wholeheartedly. We really need to make it serious because we've got too many kids that are falling through the the, the cracks. And, and too many kids that are dying needlessly yeah. at a young age because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing and because they don't feel like they have any hope, any chance, any choice. And that's a crime in the most powerful country in the world. I agree. Stop assuming that the system is going to take care of you. It's not designed for that. It's nope. designed to keep us where we forget that we can thrive in my opinion. Okay. I think it's because about maintaining the status quo. That's ex- there you go. If we all jump on our little hamster wheel jobs, we don't get too smart because then we don't question authority or question things, you know? So 
Kevin, I won't go there. I'll shut up. You know? <laughs> but nope. That, I, but, I, I, agree, I agree with you 100%. At one point in time, we have to question everything because yeah. um, as we have discovered over the last four or five years, there is this misnomer out there, and Putin is using it today. And the misnomer is if you tell a lie loudly enough and long enough, people will believe it. And that's that's we need to tell be telling the truth, and uh, be getting the truth out there. And uh, and uh, let's see. And uh, Indigo Heart says, totally agree, Deborah. We are on. We were homeschooling our 13 year old granddaughter, and she decided to go back once schools were open again because she was missing her friends, which I understand. And that is another part of of education is social education as well. Yes. So, but, but, you know, we're not going to keep you any longer, young lady, because we've kept you Betty for the, the entire hour and, and stuff. And then, and so we'll let you, we'll let you go unless you want to hang out. But, but I got a, I got a feeling that uh, Rob would like to talk to his tribe a little bit more. So um, I'm going to give him the opportunity to do that, but I want to thank you for being here. Okay. And thank you. And you 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 have an awesome day. And there she goes. There she goes. There she goes. Bangerang women, bangerang tribe, bangerang my beautiful ladies and people. What's happening? You know, we are there. We are we are kicking. We are alive. Thank you for showing up. I appreciate your support. I know Kevin does too. This is just an awesome day. And this, you know, again, the, the whole idea is people need to stop thinking, well, my kid's going line on school, so everybody else will take care of it they won't you know so this this was this was a, maybe a little deep for some people not my usual rantings and and railings and flashing uh <clears throat> cards or whatnot but uh but rev that's that's what positive talk radio is all about is to is to bring uh and we, and we need to talk about we'll never achieve any changes if as as positive talk radio if we are only going to talk about uh hairy fairy and and stuff we've got to talk about some of the issues that are going on in our world that we would prefer weren't but we can approach it from a positive viewpoint and a positive way of of, of making a difference and that's that's really what at the at its core that's what i want positive talk radio to be and and you know that's one of the reasons i'm so glad to be a part of it because i do enjoy these kind of types of conversations um you know and, and they're and they're you very add deep. a lot to them by the way i just wanted to make well, sure that thank you very much i appreciate it you know so uh my wife and i were having that discussion today and uh, this morning i was having a little woe is me pity party moment and uh and about my education and those things and uh no I wouldn't give anything up for the world. I wouldn't change anything or whatnot. So thank you very much. It allows me to be here, to be here, you know, and do what I do. And the, the key for us is to be able to converse on a wide topic of interest of people because different things affect other people differently. And yeah. uh, if we can put out a positive way of, of and bring positive people here to help uh, all of us understand maybe a different viewpoint. And as, as, as an example, um, tell them what we're going to be doing. Um, Reverend Rob has agreed to eat bugs next week. I just thought I'd mention that. 
Let's get ready. We're you're gonna have to look for it. We're from Dr. Fisher that was on early, Brian Fisher, the bug expert, and talk about eating bugs. We got it talked about it, and I started looking up crickets. And on Amazon, you can order some flavored crickets. They're really not that expensive either. It's like nine bucks for three bags, you know. Not that they might not sit on your shelf for a while or whatnot. But I have agreed. So if y'all want to get a bag and enjoy them with me, you're going to watch me live on the show try some, what was it, cheesy ranch crickets, yep. some wild buffalo crickets, and then there was some other barbecue or something, but they're whole crickets. So we're going to try them or whatnot. You know, I'm glad somebody else caught them. Uh, what the hell? Let's see what's happening. Just don't get any uh, stuck in your teeth, any legs stuck in your teeth. That would be. Yeah. Y'all might sit here. I got to remember to bring some toothpicks because it'll be like, oh, there we go. Antenna. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I, I really appreciate you jumping in with both feet on that because not only did I not think of that, had I thought of that, I would have dismissed it out of hand. <laughs> got to try it. If it's out there, you know. It's funny if my wife puts spinach in front of me, but well, I'm going to eat a cricket, you know? Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't no. think that you're going to get away but, with that anymore. I, only- oh, yeah, well, no, nah, because I know what spinach tastes like. I don't know what crickets taste like. So I'm a firm believer in that. Don't knock it till you try it, you know? And, uh, well, about certain things. <laughs> well, like, like, like I said, they were on the menu at uh, Safeco Field in Seattle as a as a uh a let's go to a ball game have a bunch of beer and then we'll eat something disgusting kind of item um so you know it was like so and they sold for a while because it would be like a guy would buy it for his buddy and say i dare you and right that kind of a novelty eventually, thing yeah eventually yeah so away. we're waiting to see hey kevin real quick can i remind people that uh this this saturday Four o'clock. I'm doing a course, Tarot Simplified 2. Pass the word, everybody, if you're listening. Uh, I don't know if they're in. I didn't even look at the link or whatnot, but go uh, go to ascendingmasters.store, look up live events. Tarot Simplified 2. And what we're doing here is I'm actually going to let people come on. We're going to give them the whole Zoom link. We're going to record. And I did a class here a while back, as you know, about how to learn the deck and, and, and do work in it. Now we're going to actually do some spreads, do some readings, do some card interpretation together live online. So make sure you go check that out. Pass the word. Everybody will be live online with me. That's going to be funny. And then anybody else needs to get hold of me? Tarotwithanattitude.com. There you go. And uh, just as a reminder, uh, we were going to start our new uh, uh, Positive Talk Radio uh, format, which is going to be from two to four Pacific time and five to seven uh, East Coast time on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. In addition to that, Wednesdays we'll be doing two hours from uh, four two to four, and then a KKNW show from four to five, or from seven to eight if it's on on East Coast and Friday. Um, noon Pacific time and Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. We had some, and we have great people, uh, great people that are actively working to make a positive difference in the world. And if you know anybody that's in your world that you think would be a good guest to have on the show, 
just drop me a line at uh, myindependentreport at gmail.com. Drop me a line, and we will get them on, on we'll book them on the show, and we will have a great time with them and, um, and stuff. So, so we want to make this interactive. We want to make it for everybody. So if you know somebody, and, and, and they can be anybody that has a positive, even, even metaphysical people and that kind of stuff. So Because I know a guy who's a tarot card reader who's just phenomenal. I'll have to look him up, <laughs> see if I can remember who that is. Hey, I'm going to ask everybody, too, positivetalkradio.net. There's a donation link, isn't there, Kevin? Yes, there is, sir. Yes, you know, sir. if you like what we're doing and you want to help us, because there is some cost to this, and, and Kevin's footing a lot of it. So do me a favor, help out, because that means I'm going to have to start helping out. So, you know, go drop a link, whatever whatever spirit lays on your heart. Help us continue this on. And you know what? Kevin and I have a desire and a goal to get this thing syndicated and get moving on into another venue. Y'all help us. Pass the word. Share the link. Let everybody know. But we really need your support, and we appreciate y'all being here. You have no idea how important it is uh, because I think in, in this day and age and the times that we're living in, it's more. I started in 2003 during the Iraq War. This is even more of an important time for us to spread the type of message that Reverend Rob and I want to put out there than it was even then. Uh, we've got we've got a tremendous amount of troubles and problems, and and we can only do it by getting together and and understanding that we can all work together, that we are all one, and we are all one family and we need to work together for the betterment of everybody because if everybody doesn't get to go along, nobody does. That's, that's, that's okay. I'll get off my soapbox. No, I don't I agree. It's okay. Go brother. <laughs> so I sat through a lot longer sermons than that growing up. Yes. Praise yeah. God. You know, so. I was, I was listening to you on Saturday and it was like, he has shades of a Southern Baptist preacher in him. <laughs> Not shade actual genealogy <laughs> so, <laughs> so i yeah, i was i was waiting for the tambourine at one point but i didn't i didn't get the ten yeah so <laughs> so if anybody does anybody have anything else that they'd like to share with us before we go uh you better yeah. hurry yes speak now for i don't know what the delay is you know but if you have something or you have an idea for somebody uh, you know, to, to reach out, you can either reach out to Kevin. Kevin, what's the email address for Positive Talk Radio? I, I, I'm going to be changing in the future, but it's it's um, uh, myindependentreport at gmail.com. Okay. And also, you know how to get hold of me. I'll get it to Kevin. That would be tarotwithanattitude at gmail.com or just go to tarotwithanattitude and leave me a message there. I'll get your email. We'll get it on. So let us know about a topic. Let us know about something you think we need to talk about. But if there's somebody out there, you got their contact information, let us know. Exactly. And Indigo Heart does say the education systems around the world is broken. That's why more and more families are homeschooling now. And that number is growing fast. Absolutely. And, uh, it, it, it is. And I, I hopefully that we can figure out a way with homeschooling and with regular schooling and stuff that we can get a well-rounded social education for the kids, as well as sporting education for the kids, as well as all of that, you know, so that, so that, cause I'm not sure how it's done now. If, if homeschool kids can participate in sports after school, I have no idea. Can they Rob, do you know? 
Uh, not at the school. They've got to be enrolled in that school. Um, but what I'm seeing, and, and no, and Indigo and Deborah might be able to act more on this, what I'm enjoying seeing is more and more home schools, school people are starting to build a network, okay, where they get together for group activities, do some things or whatnot, so you're not just little Johnny sitting at home waiting for this, you know, for mom to be quiet and then run play Pokemon. You know, they're, they're actually getting them where they are building up that social networking among them. And I think that's great. And the, the, the other issue that I, I being a former bus driver, I can tell you that's the other issue that needs to, that we need to really work on is for single moms dad turned out to be not such a great guy he's uh, off doing something else and single moms are trying to raise kids and uh, are working full-time and they can't homeschool because they're they're busy working perhaps one or two or three jobs um, that we need to make sure that that those kids have a safety net that that mom has a safety net so that we can um, and those can be community centers, wherever they, whatever we need to do so that those kids don't fall through the cracks because that's where the crime rates come from. Well, Reverend Rob will tell you that's where the, all, a lot of the, those issues come from are people that, that have lost hope. And this is the greatest country in the world. It amazes me that there are people in our country who have lost hope that don't believe that they can do what they want to do. And we need to fix that. I would hope. And you know what? I know at one point we, we have the potential to be the greatest country in the world. And I think at one point we were, but there is a video with Jeff Daniels where, and, and I would challenge everybody to find it before you just get pissed at me and write me off. Okay. That he talks about where we've fallen in the world. And do you know we lead the world in 12-year-old sexually transmuted diseases? Yeah. Things like this. There's so many things that are happening that's sliding right under us, and we don't seem to care. If it doesn't affect me or mine personally, yeah. But we need to be the greatest country in the world again. People need that light. We need to understand. I'm so proud of where I live and, 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 and this country or whatnot, but it doesn't mean we don't need to change some things in the way it's going. When we have 16 million kids going to bed hungry every night in the United States of America, when we have 32 million people who cannot read a menu, we are not doing our job as a society and lifting all boats and have and and working together for the betterment of all citizens everywhere and until we get that through our heads we are not going to get there but i believe that we can get there and you're right rob i say we're the greatest country in the world because i don't want the emails (laughs) there you go there you go all right so Anyway, I'd like to thank everybody for participating with us today. You're going to hear more of this. That's why we took this one a little bit long, because I wanted to get you guys a flavor of what Rob and I are going to do together. And I I couldn't be, and I'll say this publicly, I could not be happier, Rob, that you and I made connections and and that we're going to go down this road together. I think it's a valuable piece, and I believe 
that we can make a difference in the world if enough people like your bangerang tribe, if enough we go. people will stand together to work to make it happen, I think that we can get that done. Positivity and gratitude are the only way to move things forward. That's it. In a positive way, remembering what we have, remembering what to be grateful for. So many people in this country have lost that gratitude. Some They've forgotten everything that they have because of what people have done. And this is time to remember gratitude, positivity. And sometimes we just need to disagree, you know, and agree to disagree and then go have lunch. So let's see what's going on. I am falling out of my chair. Do you know who this is, Reverend Rob? No, sir, I do not. I want you to focus on the last name. Oh, there we go. Okay. This is what's this is, happening, buddy. Nice to meet you. This is this is my son who is, and one of the things we haven't talked about is that he went through uh, um, um, a, a uh, oh gosh, what do you call it? Uh, after after high school, he went to a, a school to become a diesel mechanic. And okay. And he is uh, now a really, really good diesel mechanic. He's got a really good job. Things are just turning up roses for him. And, and he writes, and he's right, some of the most talented people in schools are the ones that fell the fastest. They weren't challenged to be the best. And it, it was just a matter of getting everybody through. And it was like, you know, getting the herd through and they didn't take enough time with each individual kid. My son was an average student. He, his, uh, um, dispatcher walked up to me just to recently took a new job, Rob, Rob, right. his dispatcher walked up to him and said, where in the hell did you come from? Because he can fix stuff that nobody else can fix on a continual basis because of the work that he's done over the last 10 years. And so, uh, but, but he was very talented, but it escaped him at school because he wasn't challenged enough. Hey, I, I hear you. I hear you. And and it's one of those things where we don't use people. For, we don't even search out their talents. We say you have to perform at this level with certain things. And it doesn't matter if this person is a brainiac or if this person is so gifted in music or in being able to reason or whatnot. Uh, all I care, it kind of gets back to that, is did you pass this test? And if, uh, all right, I got, the only reason I had a GED because I didn't graduate high school is by three eighths of a credit. And now you've heard me sing. Yeah. From my music chorus, because he was marking me absent because I was the president of the chorus and it, pissed him off so he would mark me absent when i was there the guidance counselor came found me in his class on a day that he had marked me absent and this is because again it was just a number the teacher rules teacher wins it's all about that and when i said well now that you see he's lying about it what are we going to do about it she's like your parents are gonna have to take that fight i can't she said, I will. He was so liked in the school, everything else. She didn't even go to the principal to report it. She bowed out from it. 
My parents were that old school. They refused to believe it. Yeah. So at one point, my dad went into school and he's like, why is my son only getting C's? And my um was phase four, the highest level you could do back then of American history in my sophomore year. Looked at me, he said, because your kid's the smartest kid in my class. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's done the math. He's figured out if he listens in class, takes every test, makes a hundred on each test, he ain't got to do his homework. He'll pass. Nothing to challenge me. All right. It, you know, it, so your son is so right in so many ways that just didn't happen. I didn't know anything about wrestling, nothing about collegiate style wrestling or high school wrestling. And my coach got mad because my dad called him on something and kept having me wrestle the senior that year. And I was a sophomore who was the varsity heavyweight champion and he took Florida state championship. And they kept saying he was undefeated. I beat him every practice. But I just thought they were needing me to help him practice. Nothing ever clicked in my head to say, do wrestling. Nothing in the coach's head was like, uh, you've got scholarship material here. Go, nope, 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 nope. It's it's a sad it's it's a sad thing. But you know, shedding light on things will will bring it out into the open. Yeah. And the more that we, the more that we do that, the more it might be able to change. Change some hearts, change some minds. Just like uh, uh, Indigo says, um, gratitude and appreciation are so important. They are, Absolutely. they actually are key because we are all very special. Uh, we have all incredible talents. We can all do all sorts of different things. Some of us don't believe that, but we right. need to reinforce that if we can. Absolutely. And shout out to my teachers out there. My son, my oldest one is a teacher, ninth grade biology teacher now. And, and you know what? He takes this personal to get these kids to the next level, to be prepared. And we need more teachers like that, like Professor Blackman that see it. It's not just, I got to teach you X, Y, Z, but these are little individuals and I, it's my job to prep them for success. The teachers that are doing that out there. Thank you very much the rest of you that are just going to work and you're fed up talk to somebody because we really need somebody in there that wants these children to succeed and really wants to find that secret little thing to make that one kid tick and those are the types of teachers that, that we want to populate the world with but they're so few they're so far between um it's it's hard but it would be it's it just doesn't make any sense to me that why we are making a difference why we're making people that want to teach um live in a lifestyle that they can't they can't survive they can't live uh they, they can't make a living good enough to to make it work um, i've i've worked with teachers that are having family issues and things like that because they're working all kinds of hours. They're staying up late to grade their papers and, and they're not, they're not socializing with their own family. I've worked with teachers whose kids are like her, her, her students are more important than us because she spends more time on that. And the idea that we would pay teachers. Okay. 
to not get an education. There's a story behind that because of, I don't need somebody with a master's degree to teach a fourth grade level class, which I saw that happen. And that's a story for another day. When we want, when we don't want to pay our educators to get even more education, something's wrong. Who do we value most in this country? And why is it not an educator? They affect every every child coming up and say they affect generations. Quite literally, they affect they affect all kinds of generations. And Indigo says one one last thing before we go. Yep. My father-in-law was a teacher and he was also on the exam board. He was always working. And you know, and I wish people would see, would would leave the thought behind. Well, they have summers off, so they should get paid. They don't need to get paid more. They worked a tremendous amount of hours during the school year. And by the way, my niece got a master's degree. She's in in the and the, the master's degree accounted for $5,000 a year. And and that was it. That's 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 nothing for in the in the private workforce where she could go in the go out now with a master's degree in education. She could do extraordinarily well and make probably double what she's making as right. a teacher. So. And most of them on during the summer, that summer everybody says they have off, they're working other jobs to make it to make ends meet. Absolutely, my son's working two jobs. You know, and and. A teacher. No teacher should ever have to work two jobs. Nope. You know, nope. I, I just I just don't believe it. So if uh, if anything, they should be they should be furthering their education so that they can get paid more and they can contribute more. And right. Indigo says, and they work through the holidays. Absolutely right. So yep. and they work nights and 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 stuff <laughs> like that. Some of some of my most uh, tr- cherished people in my entire world were coaches. There were also teachers that, yep. that helped me get through some tough times. One of these days, I'll tell you about my education, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. Today. So right. we're, we're going to go. It's time for us to go. And I want to thank everybody. And Rob, you've got a loyal group of people. And then uh, I appreciate every one of them. They're, they're pretty special. I, and I appreciate them too. They make my heart happy. And we'll see you tomorrow we've got a couple of more shows i'm doing i hope rob's going to join me as well we have shows tomorrow i'm sorry on wednesday Wednesday. we have shows wednesday okay wednesday we have three shows and i hope that you guys will join us they'll be in the afternoon on at this point they're still going to be uh noon to one one to two and then four to five on wednesday so i hope you hang out for those so yeah absolutely so last comment before we go and that is Bye, Reverend Kevin. Have a blessed rest of the week. And you as well. And we'll see you next time right here on Positive Talk Radio. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got.